Welcome to the channel. Welcome to another episode of Scientology Stories. I'm Mark Headley, your host for today. And the escape story that we're going to be doing today is from my wife, Claire. Yes, perfect. And the crazy thing is that um, January 24th, 2024 marks the 19th year from the day that I escaped from Scientology, which was the 19th uh, year anniversary of L. Ron Hubbard's death. How bizarre is that? That's crazy. That's So that's the reason this video is coming out today. Um, we would have done this one live, but while this video, while you're watching this video, I'm in a plane somewhere flying somewhere. So we had to pre-record this one and uh, just have it air today. So we, and if you watched my escape story, um, Claire's story takes place about two weeks later. Is that right? I left on January. Is it the 4th or the 5th is the day that I got out of there? You escaped on January 4th and I escaped on January 24th. So it was okay. almost three weeks later. Okay, perfect. Okay, so then I'm, so I left, I escaped. Um, we'll put a link to that video below if you want to hear that story, because this one basically picks up just right after that. Um, I'm in Kansas City now and you're still at the property. And after um, I left, um, they got they made you change your phone, right? What 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 exactly happened with that? Yes, and so all the all the detailed events of those three weeks I've covered in my book that is in progress, so um, that will come out. But yes, when you escaped, um, at first that there was a lot of back and forth, but they they did not want you to be able to contact me or vice versa. So they changed my phone number so that you could no longer try to call me um, because they had been monitoring my phone records during that time. Every single day, they were looking at what I was, you know, any calls coming in and any calls going out. And because of that, they'd seen that I kept leaving you voicemails. <laughs> so oh, on, I was, the phone that, on your original phone. Yes, exactly. Oh, and so when I left, um, I turned that phone off and actually I sold that phone. <laughs> so like I needed the money. So, and it was my personal phone that David Miscavige had given to me as a gift. So as soon as I got it out, uh, got out of there, um, it was a Nextel phone too. That's another thing I should be very clear. They, they were sort of, so we could talk to each other as radio. If we just chirped, you could just talk like a radio or yeah. you can actually make a phone call. When you chirped somebody, I don't know exactly. They couldn't exactly see who you were chirping when you did it. But if you made a phone call, then they could see that. That's so, right. So, um, but I had turned my phone off regardless. So, and I wasn't checking the voicemails or anything. I was just like, this is done. This account's over. And I ended up selling it to some guy. I think he got it for his like 12-year-old for a birthday present or something <laughs> And I didn't erase any of the numbers or do anything like that. So David Miscavige's number was still, all these people's phone numbers were still in there. I was just like, whatever, who cares? Yep, yep, it's crazy, crazy. But yeah, so they changed my phone number. So then all of a sudden I was now, and and they told me they were bringing you back. So I had to kind of bide my time to to see if you were coming back or not. When I figured yeah. out that they were they were not gonna, they hadn't figured out how to get you back. That's when I started on my figuring out my plan. And I and I very quickly realized I couldn't do it without your help. 
So therefore I had to find a way to contact you. And I got my sister to give you my phone number. So then we con we arranged this plan that I would get this eye doctor's appointment, which was on to for Monday, January 24th at 10 15 AM 2005. And, um, so all I had to do is get, get the approval to go to my eye doctor's appointment. And then when, once I was at the eye doctor's appointment, get a cab and go to the Riverside bus station and that you would call me at 1015, by which time I should be in the cab on the way to the bus station. Yeah. And then you would turn your phone off at that point. So they couldn't trace you or see yes. where your location was based on the GPS data from the phone, because unlike my phone, your phone belonged to them. That's right. Yes. So they exactly. could see, they could just log into that phone and see where you were and all that other stuff. And they yes. could do that. Truthfully, they could have done that with me as well. Right. Cause they were paying for your phone service, they right? It was service. Yeah. But, but because I had actually just turned the phone off and taken the battery out and then eventually shipped it off to somebody, it didn't matter what the, what, the GPS from that phone wasn't going to make any difference. Yes. Okay, so then do we want to put bring up the map then? Yes, so you, let's so get into this. So you get approved to go. Who's supposed to take you? So originally it was going to just be the medical staff member who drove staff around to their appointments, dropped them off, and then came back around and picked them up like all through Hemet. Yeah, because Sea Org members at the international base probably – out of, let's say, 800 people that worked at that prop property, probably 20 of them had access to a vehicle and so, um, or, or had their own vehicle. Even a smaller amount maybe even had a vehicle that they could drive. But usually you could just get a vehicle from the motor pool, um, depending on what you were doing, and then you could drive somewhere. But you, and you'd have to have special approval to do that, to be able to get off the property. But the medical liaison officer it's just a person at the property who essentially is a, a driver. And then if any kind of questions on paperwork come out, that person's the one who does all that. You don't even do anything. They fill everything out because you yes. don't even know where you live. You don't even know your address. So what are you going to write on a piece, piece of paper? Yes, exactly. And, and um, you make a, you bring up a good point because the gates at that property are kept closed as much to keep people from coming in as to keep people from driving out because yeah. how, how many times have um, people just been crossing over from one side of the property to the other and taken off like Marty Rathbun and Ron Miscavige senior and many other examples. Yeah. So if you're going to go to the doctor, usually you would go with the medical liaison officer. That's the person. So the, but that's not the person that ended up taking you. No, no. So I had to have get approval to get off the property. And during in trying to get that approval, Jenny DeVocht, Jenny Linson told me, no, you can't go with the medical person. You have to have a dedicated security person with you. So the only way that that I was allowed to go off the property was with a singular person to be at my side the entire time. And that person was Christy Mullins. Okay. And she was, and she worked in the same area that you worked in CMO Int at this time. You had just gotten kicked out of Religious Technology Center because you wouldn't divorce me. Now I'm gone. 
which in hindsight, that seems like that didn't go exactly the way you thought it was going to go. But um, so you get kicked out of RTC because you won't divorce me. I've yeah. now escaped. And now you're in CMO Int. And the person that is going to escort you to the doctor is also in CMO Int. Yes. And this was the whole, by the way, the early beginnings of the whole, but nonetheless, the whole. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's, based on that, let's bring up the map and we'll see um, where we are. Okay. Wait, hold on. Let's go back to uh, here we go. Okay. So here's the West Coast of the United States. You can see this is uh, California here. And if we zoom into the uh, int base, yep. you can see right here, there's the int base. That's the international headquarters of Scientology located in Gilman Hot Springs, California, 19625 Highway 79. Um, okay, and then you can see on the left, there's the hole. Here, let me get rid of this. Um, so you can see right on the left there, it says hole. Yep. Um, so that's where you were. That's where you were working. That's where also where Christy worked in these yes. double wide trailers. Yes. Okay, now here's the path that you need to get to go to Walmart. From there, you got to get out of the base and you got to go all the way down into Hemet. And that is where there was a Walmart at that time. Now, for all you haters out there or people that live from Hemet and San Jacinto or, or live in that area, there is now a Walmart in San Jacinto, which is much closer to the property, but that didn't exist back then. Um, Okay, so you had to get to Walmart. So that's how far it is. It's, so that's like, it's a good probably 10, 15 minute, maybe 20 minute drive to get there from the property. Yes. And and so, yeah, so Christy had a a, a vehicle that belonged to um, the CMO. Yeah. And so we got in the in the car. And so I was wearing a, a puffy jacket because it was January. It was kind of cold. Yeah. And in the pockets, I had stuffed like I'd rolled up a pair of pants. I wasn't uniform. Um, to go into town, we had we would have to change our tops only. We yeah. we could wear uniform pants, but we couldn't wear our uniform shirt. So I wasn't wearing a uniform shirt. And I had also like tucked away the few little belongings that I could fit into every pocket of this puffy jacket without it looking like I was you're making a cross country trip you're about yeah. to make a cross country trip in whatever you were wearing at the time you couldn't yes. bring a suitcase with you no <laughs> could not bring a suitcase so like my most treasured small belongings that's what made the cut um so so my pockets were carefully jammed but even then even getting into the car with Christy on so while still on the property i was still like Oh my gosh! Are they even going to let me off? Is security going to open the gate? I, you know, I, anything can go wrong at any minute, and it can all be a bust. You know, you know how yeah. it is. And also, it's it's to of particular note that whenever a spouse of somebody escapes from the Sea Org, it, it's almost always that that person is on lockdown. The one who didn't escape is on lockdown because surely there's a possibility that they're going to try to follow that person or escape as well. So the fact that they even let you off the property two weeks, two and a half weeks after I had escaped blows my mind it, that we got through that part, but you were, I guess you were playing the part pretty good because they believed you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, in fact, there was somebody that um, escaped 
after, like several years after. Yes. And she she had been in the hole too. And she had been particularly at um, a, a group meeting that we'd attended um, the day before where I had gotten a letter from David Miscavige and I was supposed to make everybody snap to or some nonsense. And yeah. she took, she told us afterwards, she was like, that was an award winning performance right there. Because <laughs> like, you told everybody, Hey, we got to get, you got to get your acts together. We got to get, do this and we got to do that. And then the next day you GTFO. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was like, even that was like, I had to really go like, Oh my God. Because if I, you know how it is, if you do it, if you, I had to do that because I had a letter from David Miscavige and if I didn't respond, I was going to get in trouble. Yeah. And meanwhile, I had already planned with you <laughs> to GTFO the next day. Yeah. And if I did a wishy-washy or a, a, a not unconvincing performance, that would have gotten my appointment totally. canceled as well. So, so I had no crazy. choice. <laughs> wow. Okay. So here's the Walmart. Now let's look at the door. So when you go up, so Christy drops you off, then what? Okay. So you you guys get there, then what? Yeah. So we're pulling into the parking lot. Timing was everything of this um, because we pulled in, it was raining a little bit um, and it was right on the dot of like 10, 15, which was the time of my appointment. Um, and so we go into the door. So she, she, she pulls into the parking lot and she's driving up towards the door on the right. Okay. And, and I look over to the door on the left and I see that the cab is there that I called and I had called that cab at six o'clock the more that morning using my organization phone. And I had said, I gave the name Barbara Smith and I said that I needed to go to, from Walmart to the Riverside count, Riverside bus station at 1015. So, so we're pulling, Christy's pulling into the parking lot. She's pulling up the aisle on the right. And as it happened, she didn't immediately find a parking space. So I said, Hey, why don't you let me out by the, the store right here? And I'll go into the appointment while you park. Perfect. I didn't know if she was going to fall for it or not, but yeah. by some miracle she did. So well, also we have to, we have, even though this, this girl, this woman worked in the same area as you, you were her boss. Right. Yes. You were the seat. You were senior over her. Yes. And even though she was sent with, to make sure you didn't escape. She wasn't, she was in, in the Seaworg hierarchy. She was lower than you were. So you could yes. just say, park the car and I'll go in. And she's going to be, if she kind of, if she gave you any flack, there could be repercussions of that. Like you could say, seriously, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm senior to you park the car and I'll meet you in there. Yeah. That, and that's true. I, that's not really how I rolled, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I know. but, but, but you're right. Uh, and also not only that, I had been significantly uh, senior to her when I had been in religious Religious technology center. Yeah. And I had helped her actually a few times. So I don't think, I think she, she just had no idea. uh, um, She didn't think you were going to take off. Yeah. That's the, at the end of the day, the reason why they let you go to the appointment, they let you go with her, but, but they did, 
not just let you go with the medical liaison officer because right. they 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 knew not to do that. That's just giving you too much freedom. But if yes. they gave you an escort, that's a little bit more restrictive. Yeah, and and the day after you escaped, I wasn't allowed to even go home to the how to the to our room that was right just off the property anymore. I I wasn't. I never went home again, <laughs> really. <laughs> if you think about it, because I was between the time when I escaped on January fourth, you did never went to that house. No, not once. Uh, maybe once that just that first night, but then after that, they said you can't go home anymore. Um, so I never did after that. And so where there, did you sleep for that two weeks or whatever? Um, on the floor of my office under my desk with a sleeping bag. For the whole, that whole time. Yep. Wow. You know, I was thinking about that because maybe the reason why they didn't want you to go there was in case we had like a secret uh, note location or a place where we could pass information to each other. Yeah. And you could have gone there and been like, oh, look behind the, look in the. The vitamin D bottle in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> yeah, but you you know what? You reminded me of a, an important detail, which yeah. was that that night after so you escaped on January 4th, that night, which was the last night I was at that house. Yeah. And again, it was we had a room in that house. There were other couples that lived there. But the important thing to note is that for some random reason, there was a, a yellow a yellow pages in that at the house. It was just and, left over from the people that lived there before. Oh, yes. that's another thing. When we moved into those houses, like if they were bought um, and then it was like, okay, this house just got bought. You guys are going to move into it. Sometimes it still had food from the people that lived in the house before we lived in like three or four of those houses. The entire garage was filled with the people that had lived there before us that they didn't stuff. They didn't take like lawn mowers and, tools and just junk and there was a pair of uh night vision goggles there was all kinds of random stuff and from the people that had sold the house to scientology yes so the so yeah likely so, the phone book was from wh whoever lived there before just happened to have a phone book yes and so i because i had packed a suitcase and i hid it under the bed and um and I went to the to the Yellow Pages and I found a taxi cab company and I tore out that little piece of paper and <laughs> folded it up and put it in a in a little notebook, tiny little notebook that I had. Uh, and, and so that's how I was able to call the cab company almost three weeks later on January 24th when I made my escape. Anyway, just si side note. But yeah, yeah. so so we pull into the Walmart. I convinced Christy to let me out of the car. I walk out right where that the the marker is on the right hand side. I walk into Walmart, and, and meanwhile, I had glanced over and I saw at the other door there was the cab waiting right on time. And I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta get there quick, but I didn't want to run, so I just kind of walked through the Walmart as quickly as I could. And you just the, went from what you literally went in on the right side. You just walked straight across the Walmart and then got out on the other side. Yes. So by the time Christy parked and everything, you could have already even been in the cab and, and been driving away. Yes. And I, 
I know exactly when when she got in. So basically, so I get in the cab. He says, Barbara Smith. I'm like, yes. He's like, Riverside bus station. Yes. Okay, great. So then we pull out and we're um, pull. So he pulls out a, um, from this picture. He, yeah. he was facing to the left. Okay. So that's the way that's the direction. So he is. Yeah, exactly. So he's pulling out around and we're not even out of the Walmart parking lot yet. And Christy radios me. Okay. She chirps me. Where are you? Oh, and I said, oh, I just went to the bathroom. I'll be right there. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this driver, this driver driver must think I'm literally nuts. Like I, (laughs) she say, Claire, are you there? You say, yeah, this is Claire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know how, you know how like normal human interaction, like (laughs) Uber drivers, whatever, at least in my experiences subsequently, yeah, they'll be like, Hey, is everything okay? Do we need to stop and wait for something? No dead silence. He's like, just keeps driving he did not even pause he was like whoa man i know i just thinking about it now i'm like he he knew he wasn't i'm sure he knew something funny was going on but anyway (laughs) okay so now you need to get to the riverside bus station right yes oh and so she so but before so we're getting out of the parking lot yes exactly so Christy that. And so I was just, I, I was at that point freaking out going, wait, Mark, you were supposed to call me by now. Like, cause now she's chirping me. I'm like, Oh my God, my phone's about to start blowing up. She's yeah. already on to me. I've not even made it out of the Walmart parking lot and she is on to me. So anyway, so, so she goes, okay, 10, four. Um, and then thank goodness, like 10 seconds later, you call me. Okay, because I was was supposed to call you at an exact, like we had basically worked out a script of all the things that would happen along this escape and an exact mile, what each milestone time where something should happen, we knew like, okay, we have to do this at this point and then this at this point and then at this time you need to be here. So 1015, so then I call you. Yes, and so you you tell me okay here's here's what we're going to do you get to the bus station uh turn back on your phone and call this company in Times Square with some audiovisual company and yes. ask or in New York and ask them for for directions of how to get there from Times Square okay and then you were like and then hang up the phone call me on the payphone and I'll tell you what to do so i get to the so, so I, so, um, so we get to the Riverside bus station. I go into the bathroom, th- take off my uniform pants and my belt and all that and stuff it in the garbage. And I pull out my one pair of pants from my, from my jacket, my normal pair of pants. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't know the, the, the paranoia, the paranoia that had been programmed in. I like, I just had these ideas in my mind that there would it was going to be like a movie i mean it was it was like it it was like a movie but but my (laughs) in my idea (laughs) but in my mind like i had the idea of like you know private investigators and high-speed chases and like with a photo like have you seen this woman you know and in in all fairness it wasn't that far off from that but because of that i was trying to 
be like incognito. Like at the yeah. time, my hair was long down past my butt. And I so I had braided it and rolled it up. So it wouldn't be like a striking, you know, like yeah, the lady with the the four foot hair. That's exactly the one. Yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly Some crazy ginger coming here with super <laughs> long hair. Yes, like trying to I was trying to minimize any outstanding characteristics that marked me as someone escaping from a cult. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, so so bus station, Riverside bus station. So I did, I, I changed, I got my ticket. I couldn't put it under an assumed name and that kind of worried me. Mm-hmm. And then I turned on my phone and I could already see like the moment I turned it on, you know, when you fire it up, you can see like ding, 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 all these messages. And I was just like, uh, don't look, don't look, don't look. And, um, and so I called the number that you'd given me of the company. And it was so funny because because I was all like nervous and anxious. And I, I hadn't even called a real company on the outside as myself without like a, de- a, a script of what I was going to say or the reason I was calling. So I was just like called and, and some guy answers the phone and I'm like, um, how do I get there from Times Square? And he was like, uh, Google it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, thanks. And I, so he's like, hang up that would, that did not go as I expected. And then, so I turned off my phone and that was supposed to be it. Like I was never supposed to turn that phone on ever again because it belonged to the Scientology organization. And as a result of that ownership, they could track it. Precisely. And and the only other thing I wanted to interject was that the reason I wanted you to call that company is because they, if they checked the number and saw where it was for, they would be like, oh, this is an audio visual installation company. This must be where Mark works now. So that they would assume that you were going there and that that's where I might be. But even though I would, I suspected they already knew where I was, but they, they hadn't, but they, they hadn't did. come there. So I was like, who knows? Maybe they think that's just where I am now. And I'm going to end up in Claire and I are going to reunite in New York. Yeah. And that part of your plan didn't really register with me. I mean, it does in retrospect, but I was, I, I, I honestly was like, they definitely know exactly where you are. And that will be, <laughs> that will be proved later in this discussion. Uh, of a sequence of events. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, so I make that call and then I called you from the payphone at the bus station. And it was funny to me because I could tell that even in this moment, I don't think you were sure you could trust me. Oh yeah, no, 100%. It was it was very it was a roll of the dice that you weren't trying to get to me with them or that you would somehow um, get there and then be like, okay, the real reason I'm here is because I'm, I need to get you to come back or, you know, whatever it was. Right. Like I, I I knew you to be always cynical and I, and I could understand, but it was kind of funny. Like I got the impression from our conversations in this, in these moments that if that you kind of thought it was too good to be true. And therefore you were like a little bit on the fence anyway, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you get a ticket. Oh, and that's the other thing is uh, instead of going, there might be a, a more direct route from Hemet 
to where I was in uh, in Missouri, in Lee Summit, yep. Missouri. But we wanted to, we knew that they would be tracking the phone for a certain amount. So we wanted to make it look like you were going somewhere else, even if it wasn't just direct to where I was. And that was the other reason for the New York thing. We wanted to kind of make them not exactly know where you were going. So yes. you were supposed to get a ticket from Riverside to Barstow. Yes. And this is what that looks like. So there's a Riverside station. And then this way up north, you can see that's where the Barstow um, yeah. station is. Yeah, still still not far enough away from the hole for my comfort, but yes, <laughs> getting in the right direction <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Okay, so then you get to the Barstow station. Yes. And this is where I made my boo-boo. Um, basically, I mean, as you can see, it's in the middle of nowhere. And I'm now starting to panic because I have well, that's, to that's not exactly the middle of nowhere. It's well. well there it is. That's the middle of nowhere. Right yeah. There. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. First of all, I couldn't believe that I was actually uh, escaping. I was. And second of all, I was like, now I really need to get to Mark because otherwise I'm in like very hot water. Cause I have no, I, oh. And so, th so when I went to the eye doctor's appointment, I had $200. Okay. And then the bus, the, the, um, cab ride from Walmart to the, to the Riverside bus station was $90. And then I think the ticket for this one was maybe $30. So I'm down <laughs> yeah, and, and, and now and I'm, here, yeah, yeah. I bought you the ticket from Barstow to Lee summit. That's right. To so Kansas that all City. you had to do was go to the counter and get the ticket. Like it was just sitting there waiting for you. Yes. But in order to get that ticket, I had to call you. And so when I got to this bus station, this Barstow bus station in the middle of nowhere, uh, I couldn't find any payphones that accepted coins. They only all accepted calling cards. And I, it, it's illogical in retrospect but I panicked and well, you didn't even know what a calling card was. Right. And I didn't want to ask anybody because again, in my mind, I'm like the, they're chasing after me already. I know they're coming. I don't want to be asking and make it look like I'm star man, like create like memorable moments in people's mind of like, who the heck doesn't know what a calling card is? <laughs> <laughs> what is this telephone you speak of? You know, like whatever. So I turned the phone on. And the, you turn and the I, next cell phone on my organization phone. I turned that on and I called you. And the first thing you said was, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're, you're like, this is off script. What the heck? And I was like, I'm sorry. I panicked and uh, I couldn't figure out how to call you. And anyway, and you were like, okay, oh, well now we're going to have to see what happens. And I re remember just being like scared. Cause you know, I'm like, oh great. Now, I didn't, I didn't understand, like I had never personally done a blow drill, but I knew I, and I know, uh, knew of many examples where somehow they, they figure out where people are. Scientology figures out and tracks people down. And now I know from talking to Jackson after getting out that, yeah, they kind of map out like 
what direction you're headed, figure out who you'd be headed to. And they might even map multiple alternates to yes. figure it out, which is crazy. But either way, you you give me the ticket number. So I'm like, okay. And you're like, now turn it off and do not turn it back on again. I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. So, and, and the crazy part is I go to the ticket desk, the ticket counter and give them the ticket number. And of course there's signs all around the ticket counter that say calling cards available. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh. So like, yeah, they so sell them right there. Like there's like a little kiosk of them. You just grab one and say, yeah, give me yes. one. Yes. Yes, completely. I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so. <clears throat> okay, so then where's the next one you need to get? So that's Barstow. So now you need to get from Barstow to Las Vegas. Yeah. And so tracking the timeline too. So this was Monday, January 24th, 2005. My appointment at Walmart was 10.15 a.m. And so by the time I got to Barstow, by now it's like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I think that the bus was scheduled to leave from Barstow at like one thirty, mm -hmm. Um, and so now at least I had the ticket to get to you. So I kind of, at least on that front, I started chilling out just a tad. Um, and the, and the Vegas was just where there was a stop. So most yes. of the time on these buses, they'll go and there'll be stops, but you don't necessarily get off the bus, but in, in, and you can, if you want to stretch your legs or use the facilities or get something to eat or whatever. But in Vegas, you're actually going to switch to a different bus. Yes. We had a 45 minute approximately layover okay. and we were getting on a different bus. And okay. that actually was the only bus change in the entire trip from like from Barstow to Kansas City. That was the one bus change. Okay. And so <clears throat> yeah, so we're so I'm on the bus heading to Barstow and <laughs> it's crazy too. Like I'd been sleeping maybe 2-3 hours a night. You mean barely, Vegas? on the on the bus to Vegas. Yeah, so but leading up to the bu the bus trip to Vegas, yeah. I'm saying I've been getting barely any sleep, barely eating anything. I just could not sleep. Like usually on a bus trip, you know, you doze off. It's like, oh yeah, I could not fall asleep. Not not even like it was just completely wired. Um, and so anyway, so long trip to to Vegas. We pull into Vegas. It's dark because it's January, so it's like six six thirty at night. Okay. And I <clears throat> and again, forty five minute layover. I saw that as we were pulling into the bus station, I saw there was a McDonald's there, and I was like, "Oh, I could get a, <laughs> a ninety nine cent cheeseburger, <laughs> at least to get some some real food." I think I had a, a a protein bar in my purse, and that was it. Okay. Anyway, so so again, we get into the bus station. I decided to just wait until everybody else got off the bus. Um, and, and I think there was one other person still on the bus and I was like, mm, maybe there something's up with them too. So then I kind of got a little spooked cause I'm like, why are they staying on the bus? Yeah. Anyway. So I'm like, okay, get off the bus, I get off the bus. I walked maybe four feet to the door of the bus station, open the door, boom, Greg Wilhair and Sharon Johnston are standing right there. And those are two Sea Org members from the international headquarters, one from RTC. Greg Wilhair was in Religious Technology Center, and Sharon Johnston was in CMO Int. 
Yes. Greg Wilhair is most famously known for being David Miscavige's crony and doing his bidding and uh, for his involvement with celebrities, his involvement in recruiting a, a wife for Tom Cruise. Anyway, he's, he's very schmoozy. Yes, very schmoozy, but also like from my perspective in that moment, yeah. um, he's much taller, much bigger than I am and could very easily physically overwhelm me if he chose to. Yeah. And so, so I just walked, I kind of walked into the bus station and, and very quickly I realized I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is a moment in which I am failing. Uh, like I failed, you know, cause I've now been caught. So I'm kind of doing a rapid assessment. Like, what do I do? <laughs> And they're like, uh, Greg was doing all the talking. Sharon was just standing behind him. And I, and from what they said, I knew that there were at least two other people in a car outside who were also there to bring me back. So completely outnumbered by myself. This is my first time ever to Vegas. Uh, first time ever on a Greyhound bus. First time ever escaping. You know, a lot of firsts going on here. <laughs> <laughs> And so I just decided, okay, I'm going to walk into the bus station, plop my purse down on the floor in the middle of the bus station and sit down because my, my thought and theory was, well, at least if they try to, um, drag me out of there, then I could scream and hopefully, I don't know, somebody might call 911, maybe, hopefully. Anyway, that was my, uh, thought. And, and, um, but still I didn't know, cause I, I know they have dragged people into vehicles before and, you know, so there's, there was kind of nothing that couldn't happen in that moment from my, from what I've yeah. seen and witnessed, you, you know? Yeah. Your imagination is going wild because you know, you've heard stories of how they've gotten people back before. So it's sort of nothing's off the table in terms of if you put yourself in a situation where they can get the advantage, um, they're going to use the advantage. It's that's almost yep. a, a given. So, um, and I know a lot of times they try to get somebody to go to a place like, well, let's go get something to eat or something so they can get you into a vehicle that you're now going to go get something to eat. And then you never end up going to the restaurant to get anything to eat. You just stay in the vehicle and then that's it. Yes, which which he that was one of the first things Greg said. Let's go get something to eat and factor in. Like I, I had, you know how how much weight I'd lost. I was literally skin and bones. I was like not even a hundred pounds, and I'm five seven. Was massively underweight, sick, and uh, um, anorexic. I guess like no, I wasn't anorexic. That's, that's not the right word. When you're under so much stress, emaciated, that, emaciated. Yeah. Like I was not nauseous 24 seven. I could not eat. Um, it just was, I, it, I was never hungry. Um, and so at, at a certain point I couldn't stop losing weight. So the thought of a meal was at ha having escaped, I was really looking forward to a meal for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so then when Greg said, Oh, let's go get something. Let's go. Let's go get some food and and talk about this. And I was like, "Nope, not doing it. Nope." 
And that's when I, that was in that moment or shortly before after that, when I sat down on my purse and, and it was so just in the uh, middle of the bus station. Yeah. Yeah. I I was desperate. I on the floor or in a chair. No, I, so I put my purse down on the floor and sat on my purse. (laughs) Um, and I just was losing my mind. I, I, you know, looking back on it, like I don't even remember the exact thought process, but I know that in my mind, I was just theoretically plugging my ears because I knew no matter what, do not engage in, do not engage with them. Do not engage in the conversation. Like that's would be the end of me. Yeah. And you know, the few snippets of the things that I remember Greg Wilhair saying was, uh, one of the things, well, he demanded your phone number and I felt it was a trick because he was trying to prove that I had been breaking their rules and that I had been talking to you. So I just said, you have his phone number. And sure enough, he sent somebody off to go call you. I didn't well, give him your phone number, but yeah, they called so you. On my end, Greg, uh, and it was Greg that called me. Okay. Himself. He called me and said, we have Claire. We're in Las Vegas at the Greyhound bus station. We have Claire and she's coming back to us. She, we're, she's coming back to, we're taking her back to the base. And so you, she's not coming. She's not meeting you. And if you are smart, you'll come back to the base too. Otherwise you're never going to see her again. So at this point, It's in the afternoon or late, early evening, actually, because I remember it was dark outside in Kansas City and in Lee Summit where I was. And um, and it was it had just uh, been snowing for the past few weeks or days or whatever. And I was outside on the sidewalk pacing up and down the street going like, oh, what's happened? What's happened? Because I couldn't I didn't hear from you when you got to Vegas. I didn't hear from you. I didn't hear from you. We knew the way the Greyhound schedules are, they're pretty to the minute in most cases. Like if it says it's going to roll into Las Vegas at 11, you know, 12, uh, 11 minutes and or, uh, 11 o'clock and 12 minutes, it comes at 11 and 12 minutes. It's like, it's pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah. So we had all these bus timetables that we were going off of and you never called, you never called, you never called, you never called. So I was sort of like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And then I get the call, but it's not from you. And I don't know the number. And as soon as I answer, it's Greg Wilhair. And then he tells me that you're going back. So I'm just like, Oh, like so close. We almost had it. Like I was, and I was, and then I, but I was thinking to myself, this could be a trick. I don't know that they have her. This could be a trick to get me to go back, even though she, they didn't get her. So I was like, we got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait. Okay. So then continue. So then what happens on you? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so that's right. We had talked about that too. When I was leaving from Barstow that I was to call, I was going to call you every time I got to a stop. That's right. Yes. So you, you were tipped off right away. I had forgotten that part, but you already knew before you got the call from Greg that there was a good chance something was going wrong. Right. Yeah, and you can also at that time you could go on the Greyhound site, and I think you could see where the bus was, or that it had checked in, or it had arrived, or you know whatever it was. And so that because the time had passed, and because you didn't call, um, I knew that something was up. And then when Greg called, I was just 
I was literally, uh, I, I think I was heartbroken at that point because I'd already given up hope that you would escape. And then when you called me and we, we like, it was like, oh my gosh, she could do it. And so then I got my hopes up that you would escape. And then when he called, it was like, oh no, we got her. She's coming back. You're never going to. And he made a point to say that you're never going to see her again. Like, that's it. You, it's done. You know, it's over. Uh, yeah. Dagger to the heart intentionally. Um, yeah. So he, if, like the whole time. So I'm sitting on the floor on my purse and the whole time he's just like going at me from every single angle possible. First, uh, I, we told Mark, you're not coming. He's coming back. They told me you were coming back too. Mm -hmm. Um, they told me that my family's lives were going to be destroyed. He's like, what if, what if David Miscavige were here right now? Like, okay, he's not. Thank, (laughs) thank goodness. Um, and, (laughs) Nope, even more so. Let me the heck out of here. Um, and what about your dog? I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Like the, you know, uh, every single possible thing he could try to throw at me. He even told me that the reason I was there is because, uh, the reason I was escaping is because something had gone wrong with my counseling and body thetans were controlling me. <laughs> the freewheeling that we talked about the other night, he was like, you're freewheeling. Like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm thoroughly controlled wheeling the heck out of here. (laughs) Anyway, all these things. And, and he threatened to come out to follow me on the bus. Um, And so factor in so we started in Gilman hot Springs, California. Now we're in Las Vegas, Nevada. So they've crossed state lines chasing after me. Of course, I had no clue that this was, of any significance at the time. And, and it's so ironic to me, the, the depth of programming that it didn't just occur to me to call 911, but yeah. that, that thought never crossed my mind once because those are the, the those are the bad guys. You, yeah, you just you, don't do that. Yeah. And you got to factor in. There was a chance that you weren't going to Las Vegas. You could have been going anywhere from Barstow. They sent four people to Vegas and they got there before you did and they were ready to go. They were like, she's coming and she's going to be on this bus. And you were. So that's another just factor. Like we don't know what other bus stations they sent people to. We don't know what other things were involved in this. We just know they guessed one of them right at least. And that was the Las Vegas station. So yeah. Okay, so then you're sitting on your purse. Greg yeah, tells I'm, you, yeah, that but I'm. Got, you're right. I'm, on I'm my sh- way back. Yeah, no, I, you're, and you're right. I'm sure that they had people at my parents' house in Los Angeles, and you know, with my sisters. Anyway, yeah. So I'm on the purse, sitting on the purse. Okay, so now, um, <clears throat> the layover is coming to an end, and people are starting to line up. So I, I go and get in line. He, they're still standing with me the whole time, like. Oh, they're just, just, while you're sitting on the floor, they're just standing right next to you. Yes. Yes. The whole time going on and on and on. And like I said, I had to literally not engage, not say anything, um, you know, not listen because I knew that they, what everything they were doing was carefully crafted 
to manipulate me into going back with them. And if I even cooperated one, one iota, that would embolden them to maybe drag me out of there or maybe just like, you know, so I had to, it was like, had to imagine I was in a brick enclosure or something to not let them get through to me anyway. So I get on the bus and at that point they, he threatened to follow me on the bus, but he didn't. And I knew he didn't have a ticket. And I also knew that it would require David Miscavige's approval for him to get on that bus. And I, um, we had talked before or in another episode how my timing of escaping coincided with David Miscavige being in Clearwater, Florida, very intentionally so. Um, so I, the chances of him getting that approval before I got on that bus were really, really slim. And uh, anyway, so I get on the bus. No, that's not to say that they might not follow the bus, yeah. but he didn't get on the bus as he threatened to. And so the second I got on the bus, of course, I turned on my organization phone because yeah, they know where point, I am like, now. What's the point? And <laughs> yeah. I call you and say, I'm on the bus. <laughs> you know, when you called me and you were like, okay, I'm on the bus. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? They told me that they got you. And then you're like, yeah, they told me they got you. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so like if either one of us would, would had fallen for the lie, yeah, then we would have been we would have been crossing back the other direction. Like I would have been on the way there and you would have been on the way out and it would have been like, Oh great. Now we're stuck again. Yeah. Which that exact scenario of us crossing was like, I was having nightmares about that the whole time from the moment you escaped. That was my greatest fear. And to be fair, they had caught me. They just, you know, luckily, uh, for whatever, you know, it I was in out. I was in a well populated enough space that they weren't going to take their chances. Yeah. Okay, and drag get, me out of there. Let's get back to the map. So, okay, yeah. so now you're at the So now the next place you've got to get to is you've got to get from Las Vegas all the way to Missouri. Now yes. this is a trick, okay? <laughs> Remember I told you guys about those timetables. I literally had a timetable of every place that she was going to stop along this entire path to get to where I was. And I want to say it took a while. It took like a day and a half, right? Yeah, so because met. yeah, because so this started on Monday, 10:15 a.m. By the time I got to Kansas City, it was like 6 p.m. on Wednesday, I think. Wow. Okay, so let's go to where you get in um, Kansas City. So this is the uh, downtown Kansas City bus station. Yep. Is where um, is where you were. It's near downtown. Let's see where downtown is. Yeah, I think that's close to downtown. I think this is like kind of downtown area right next to that okay so then you get so yeah so then it takes all that time you finally get to there and then from there i well i pick you up there so that's the first time i've seen you in basically three weeks yeah actually and, maybe so maybe it was tuesday night i'm yeah. not sure but either way it was, it was a, a really long, long drive yeah <laughs> <laughs> but every stop after that I did get off the bus and call you. And I always yeah. and I also it took at least two two more states before I stopped being worried that Greg Wilhair was gonna show up the second I got off the bus. Yeah. And even then I was like, 
double checking and cross checking. And, and I, I, it was so bizarre. Like I hadn't talked to people in the real world. I, I didn't know how to interact with them. Like I remember this one woman on the bus, she was like, you know, Oh, the chit, just the chit chat. Like, Oh, where are yeah. you headed? Um, Kansas city. Oh, what are you doing there? Um, going to see my husband. And, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't really know what to say. Um, or this, this guy, this one guy was like, Oh, um, where are you headed? Oh, Kansas city. Oh, you moving there? Uh, yeah. Oh, do you have a lot of stuff? No. Oh, uh, anyway, whatever it was, it was, <laughs> it was funny. It was just like, but then, then I, I started to go like, Oh, well, if I talk to people, if they do show up at one of the bus stations and try to kidnap me, then at least like, I will have talked to some people. There will be traces of Claire. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was some intentional interactions from my end as well on that to make sure that, you know, there was a record of me trying yeah. to make it to you. Anyway, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. crazy. And when you finally got to the bus station, it was like, we did it. We oh my did God. it. It was the biggest, I want to say, um, like it was just one of those moments where you're just like, I can't believe we pulled this off. Like we knew it was impossible and we somehow did. we were able to do it. And yeah. also, and I, I, I think in that, in those, those days and that those times there were, there were periods of time that at least speaking for myself, I knew the chances of me ever seeing you again were really slim. Like it was yeah. not, it was not looking good at all. Not only because I didn't know how to get out of there, but also because of the pressures of, you know, I just, it was, it felt impossible. Yeah, it really did. And it was also one of those things where my dad, so at that, my dad was the one who lived in Lee Summit that I went to stay with when I first escaped. And so he was also like, um, you know, what, when, when, when I first got there, what about Claire? I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think she's going to be able to come. I don't think she's going to get out of there. They're going to, they're not going to let her leave. And I can't, haven't been able to get a hold of her, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, and then when you got a hold of me, I was like, dad, I think we might be able to get Claire. Is, is it, is, can she come and stay here too? And he was like, of course she can. Are you kidding me? Like, absolutely. And so then when Greg called me that one time and I went back inside and I was like, oh my God, they caught her and they intercepted her or, you know, whatever. I can't remember if he was there or if I called him, but I remember being like, oh man, we, we got so close, so close. And then, um, and then when you finally called, I was like, oh no, we got her. She's coming. She's coming. You know, it's just like the ups and downs, the roller coaster of this trip was insane. And, I, and me just sitting on this computer screen, um, like literally taking a nap on the desk and then setting an alarm for the next stop that would get up on the, uh, so that I would be able to get up and make sure that you got to the next stop and just following along for the whole next day of, of, of travel. Yeah. Yeah. So set aside all the years we spent in Scientology. I'm sure we both have remnants of PTSD just from this one day alone. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. <gasps> and, and the funny thing is, is that um, even then we only had what, you know, basically I had like a small little suitcase that I was able to put on the back of my motorcycle, but it was like a carry, like a small carry on. 
Um, And also we didn't have winter clothes because we never lived anywhere where it snowed or um, it was even really that cold. Sometimes in the, in the desert in California, it gets a little cold, but not like below zero or not like blizzard conditions. Yeah. Not not, not even snow. Yeah. So we were going to Lee summit, Missouri and, and this was in 2005 and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they had a pretty good snow, um, season that year enough that it was like, Oh, there's snow here for sure. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. there's no question it's cold. So, um, so we, you know, even when Claire got there, that was when it was like, okay, good. Now we have to start like, this is it. It's 2005, January, 2005. And we're out. What are we going to do? And, and that's sort of where it was like, okay, we got to figure out how to live in the real world now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you picked me up at the bus station, the most amazing moment of, of being reunited in, in, in my whole life, you know? Yeah. That was um, definitely like <laughs> never going to forget. Them, <laughs> no. And it was like day one of marriage two outside of yeah. Scientology, right? <laughs> yeah. I always remember the time when I, if it wasn't, I don't know if it was that night or it was it was very shortly thereafter when we were kind of just hanging out at the house and my dad would would work um he would he was a computer technician and that is actually what i ended up doing when i first left too i was being a computer repair technician and um but he would be gone during the week working for ibm or dell depending on what at during the time what what company he worked for but he was installing walmarts and installing banks and computer systems for like uh, enterprise computer networks for, for corporations. And so we would just be there during the week. Like, what do we do? And I was fixing computers and stuff. And you'd said one night, you said, Hey, do you want, I could make um, spaghetti bolognese for dinner tonight. And I was like, really? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, you know how to cook. (laughs) We had been married (laughs) for 13 years before that conversation. And I didn't even know that you knew how to cook after 13 years. That's how much, like, that's how married life in the Sea Org is. You don't have, the, 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 just, the dynamics of that relationship are completely different in the Sea Organization compared to in the real world. Yes. Yeah. And of course, we we talked about that as a, for a second on on the Aftermath series, the the first episode that we were in of season one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but talking about it now, it is context to understand that it really was the first, you know, day one, the first day of the rest of our lives. And I remember that we went to Denny's, like you picked me up from the bus station. We had the big hug, the memorable, like, oh my gosh. And then we went to Denny's and I was like, okay, now seriously, what the heck was leaving me behind? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it all worked out, babe. It was all part of my plan. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But I was like, I had, I, I remember feeling so strongly. I had to get that out of my system. Like yeah. I understood, but still like, Still, you know, but, yeah. uh, but again, that speaks to the, the dynamics of a relationship in Scientology that we couldn't even, you know, we never even had ever once talked about escaping or getting no. out or starting over never once. And so, you know, because it was, 
it was not a, a safe environment to do so. We yeah. weren't able to say anything. So I anyway. couldn't speak freely, even with your spouse, because you don't know who's listening. You don't know if they're going to rat you out. You don't know if somebody else is going to rat you out. You don't know if once your spouse talks about it, they're going to show signs like they're just going to be nervous or whatever. Like in the C organization and specifically in Scientology, how you act and how you react to, to things, they attach significances to everything. So if you're acting a little funny in a conversation or in front of a certain person or something, they're very in tune to that, to go like, wait a minute, that person's got something going on. Yeah. And then you can, and you can just be restricted just based on being, uh, just based on your nervous demeanor, you could be restricted. You, yeah. To the property. There's there's all sorts of things that, depending on how you're acting, other people can choose or not choose to kind of clamp down on your freedoms um, if they think that you might be going a little rogue. Right. Like there's even drills from from Hubbard of uh, all the different what is it called body indicators, um, like the sweat or the you know the eye movement or the you know yep. all those things. Like they are trained to be watching for all of those yeah. things. And so avoiding detection is really, really, really difficult. Anyway. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be a really good actor when you're, you're trying to GTFO and oh not, my God. To not let them know that that's what you're about to do. Yep. Awesome, babe. Well, this was a great, I made episode. it. I made it. it. Yay. Yeah, you're here now. <laughs> and here I am today. So thanks for everyone listening and um, you know, Thanks for being there for me when I needed it, honey. And thanks for helping me get out. And thanks for getting out in the first place. So, yeah. We made it. Yes. Success. Yes. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And um, we've got a lot of new series coming up. We just got informed by um, somebody that does a bunch of web uh, and internet stuff for us that... Um, it looks like Scientology is pumping out the Mark Headley ads on Google again. So whenever we see Scientology paying for ads um, on my search results, we know we've hit a vein. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing on the channel. We're going to keep doing Where is Shelly episodes. We've got a whole bunch of new series and new um, topics and videos that we're going to start doing. And um, yeah, we're going to keep on doing this, guys. And um, yeah, we appreciate all the people that are supporting and watching the content. Um, and um, yeah. Anything yeah. When, when our stats are up, Osa's stats are down. So yes. we're going to keep on going. <laughs> nice, guys. Thanks. Thank you, guys. And uh, until next time. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to help support the channel, feel free to check out the merch store link in the description. We have Hail Xenu, Xenu is my homeboy, and BFG branded mouse pads, shirts, mugs, all sorts of other stuff in there that helps us to bring you new content on a regular basis. You can also pick up a copy of my book, Blown for Good, Behind the Iron Curtain of Scientology, in hardback, Kindle, and Audible versions as well. There's also a link to our podcast, and you can get that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to watch another video, you can click on this link right here, or you can click on this one here, or you can click on the subscribe button right here. Thanks a lot. Until next time.